Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. Hey, I want to tell you about the lab. If you haven't heard, it is wellness. Anywhere you go, you could listen to it like a podcast. Um, they're basically live Zoom classes, but you could listen to them on a run, or you could turn the camera on and engage with them. We have a thriving community of like-minded people trying to live better lives, and it's been amazing. Not only do we have the foundational classes like codependency and and, uh, ch- and trauma and relationships and all that, but we also have a lot of fun classes because it's so hard to make friends as adults, right? So we have tarot card readings, we have soul shower, we have astrology readings. Uh, we're turning wellness into a lifestyle. We're also uh, going to run a retreat soon. So come and hang out with us. Come ride with us. Go to the website to get into uh, the lab and then go download the app. We have a brand new app out with tons of audio. I'm going to give you a discount code um, and this is for a limited time. So if you're listening to this, you could join the lab for only $20. It's like a drop-in fee. For three months, it's $20 a month. Go to tatlab.app. That's tatlab.app. And the discount code is live better. It's case sensitive. So all lowercase, one word, live better. And I will see you in the lab. So I just scared the shit out of Vanessa. She had headphones on. I entered the room. She didn't hear me. Turned around, jumped out of her skin. You loved it. Well, how many times have you scared me? How many times have I been sitting there and you just enter the room, not say a word. I look up and there's a there's a, a being in my face and then I, I gasp. I think it's a ghost. <laughs> We've talked about this before. It is not my, my like, I don't have to announce myself every single time I come in and out of the rooms in my own house. It's not my fault that you are a very sensitive person to people entering their own rooms. Um. You have a responsibility to not set <laughs> off people's fight or flight. So it's nothing intentional. It's you're very sensitive. It's not my problem. <laughs> you wearing headphones and me entering that room is very different because you have headphones on. But like if you were um, just watching TV and I slipped in and just appeared in front of you, stood there, that would be very different. It's like you want me to wear like bells around my neck, like a cat or something. I was doing the dishes the other day, and I was washing your uh, Ziploc bags because you like to uh, reuse them. By the way, if you reused paper towels, it would be a deal deal breaker for me. My mom does that. Well, I'm not with your mom. (laughs) The Ziploc bags are right on the fence where – I don't know. But but here's my, my, my point is while I was washing them, it didn't bother me as much. I wasn't annoyed. I washed them. I thought it was kind of just whatever, like the dishes. And so I feel like um, it's a sign of something. You know, it's a marker. Because before, uh, when I first met you, if I was washing your Ziploc bags, I would be like, "What? why am I doing this? Why can't she throw these away? What the fuck? Like, you know, I would be going down there. But 
um, I, I washed them happily and um, uh, opened them up and just set them upside down to dry. And that was that. I mean, I would like to clarify that these are not actual Ziploc bags. These are like, you know, nice silicone reusable baggies. Mixed with actual Ziploc bags. I replaced those. those mostly with the silicone ones. <laughs> Before we get into the relationship killers, do we want to talk about the um, underwear incident? <laughs> the underwear incident? Yeah, <laughs> you had an underwear incident recently. Got scarred. Oh my God. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, is this whole episode going to be you making fun of how I'm very frugal? No. Um, I think many can relate to this. I think um, different people in relationships, usually one person in the relationship is frugal and then the other person is um, more um, impulsive. Mm -hmm. That's usually the, the case. Yes. In my experience, that is the case with most dynamics I have I have witnessed. I am definitely the more frugal one. Um, it is upbringing for sure. Uh, and it's funny because my sister having the same mom as me is not frugal, but because her upbringing was very different because she's much younger than me. And by the time she was in my mom's house, my mom had money. But when I was growing up, we did not. And so it is very obvious when you grow up in a household where, you know, you didn't have much financially, um, how that kind of stays with you and, and shapes and molds kind of how you show up, I guess, and your relationship with money. But yes, I am very frugal and I'm okay with it. I'm actually proud of my frugality. You have underwear that's a little too tight. You were rowing and because you didn't toss them, um, they left, <laughs> little, they left little marks on, on your, on your, um, <laughs> my tailbone, back, your tailbone, which is a, a lesson and maybe a nod, uh, from the universe for you to, um, buy yourself some, some new underwear that you like that are, um, going to be not feel good. And I did. And I, and I let you know when I did, and I said, you should be proud of me because I, here's the thing. I'll buy Logan new stuff all day. Right. But it's buying myself stuff yes. um, that I find difficult. So every once in a while I will buy myself something. Um, I'm not a big shopper. I'm not a big money spender on myself. Right. But right. it, it did get to the point where I had to look at myself in the mirror, literally and look at the marks my body and say, okay, this is a little out of hand. <laughs> yeah. And so I think that's real. And I think many can relate to that. And I also appreciate um, you stretching and growing and, you know, buying things for yourself. I think that's great. Yeah. And actually stretching and growing too, because clearly my underwear don't fit me anymore. <laughs> Literally uh, <laughs> uh, growing. Um, all right. We're going to talk about three things that we think kill relationships not only from our personal uh, relationships, but also uh, things that we've learned uh, by working with clients, you know, um, common things in all relationships. So hopefully mine will be different than Vanessa's. And we haven't thought these through. We haven't talked them over. Yeah. Um, and we, and we don't. It's going to be very kind of fluid. Yeah. You know what, what this episode is, guys? Um, me coming into the garage, her going into the back office, uh, me inviting her to a Zoom, and then just talking. That's what these episodes are. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll say, hey, let's talk about this topic for this episode. But that's pretty much it. We don't ever plan, outline. Get, I, I just don't like to work that way. Usually anyway, so. like 99% of the time, it's us doing it and you starting the episode 
by saying something that completely catches me off guard because you love doing that. (laughs) Well, I mean, uh, I think it's what makes it kind of exciting. It's also a warm up, you know, it's also, um, something that gets the the blood flowing, gets the ball moving, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, for me, the number one, uh, we're going to go through a three. So for me, me, number one is going to be ownership. Um, Are these in order or no? No, they're going to be random. Yeah. So number one for me is ownership. If you are in a relationship where either you or your partner doesn't have the ability or is not owning their piece, it's going to be very hard to build something sustainable because, you know, owning what you, um, what you need to own is how uh, relationships grow. I mean, it's how people grow. So if you're just getting a lot of defense, then the problems that are underneath will continue to be there. It's, it's taking ownership, which then creates change, uh, you know, different behavior, then breaking um, the patterns, and then laying new tracks for the relationship. So this constant taking ownership for your own actions or whatever, um, you know, your piece in, in, in whatever you guys are arguing about is uh, crucial. And so if you're with someone who doesn't have the ability to own it's a red flag. It's going to kill the relationship, I believe. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's something that I've experienced with a lot of clients and myself personally, and it's something I've gotten better at doing as I've gotten older, as I've kind of done more of the work, this idea of taking ownership for my stuff, because it's always been something that's tough for me. Um, People who struggle with codependency actually also struggle with shame. And so um, taking ownership can be tough because it, it triggers that shame response. So I hope that I've gotten better at that. Yeah. Uh, it's really hard for me too. And, and first, and let's just talk a little bit about what, what that looks like taking ownership. So, um, taking ownership first means, uh, acknowledging. So, you know, whether that comes in the form of an apology and by the way, when you say, sorry, a lot of people say this, sorry, but they don't ever say, I'm sorry. You know, mm, or and maybe I th- the sorry, but yeah, or the sorry is tied to something like if you're going to say you're sorry, just say you're sorry. End it with a period. If you can't do that, then I question if you're really sorry, you know, or if there's ego or pride or whatever that's getting away. So if you're going to say you're sorry, mean it by saying you're sorry. So that's number one. Um, but acknowledging what you have done. And then the other piece to this is actually um the behavior that so like you can't just acknowledge and and apologize that that's half then the other piece is now what are you going to do about it and so if you're not lining that with behavior if you're not changing anything or doing anything then it was basically you just sharing an idea right this is the whole action speak louder than the words thing yeah so ownership requires a change in action it's not just oh i did this i'm sorry or "I, i acknowledge i'm doing this it, that's okay, great. Now, what are you going to do about it? And if you do nothing about it, then you're not taking ownership. Yeah. And I think that especially if it's something like something worthy, worthy to be said is that if it's something that is, let's say something that you struggle with, right? So like for me, for example, it's the whole like, um, you know, again, codependency, it's like this whole like over-functioning kind of stepping into almost like a mothering role, nagging kind of role. Um, criticizing that stuff. Uh, it's not going to be something that just disappears because you say, okay, I'm sorry, I'm never going to do that again. It's more about committing to noticing, paying attention to it, working on it, um, and doing that consistently. 
right? So mm-hmm. on the receiving end of that, depending on how deep this stuff goes, I don't think it's fair for people to expect it to just like disappear overnight because somebody, you know, took ownership of it once. Yeah. What's your first one of the three relationship killers? Um, my first one would be emotional safety based on experience um, and obviously clients and, and working people too. You know, I think emotional safety is kind of like the crux of being able to have an intimate relationship. And honestly, this isn't just romantic, right? This is friend relationships. This is deep, vulnerable, intimate, familial relationships. Um, if you do not feel safe uh, to express yourself, to show up authentically, to communicate your needs, um, tell somebody they hurt your feelings, like whatever the thing is, uh, the relationship can only be so deep. It can only go so far. Um, and if you are constantly worried about how that other person is going to respond, um, are they going to retaliate in some way? Are they going to give you the cold shoulder, whatever? Um, there's like 0% chance that you're going to be authentic in that relationship. So that to me is probably one of the biggest ones. My number two kind of goes um, hand in hand with uh, not taking ownership, but it's, um, it's defense. If it's, it's someone who's always defensive, you know, always um, blaming someone else. Uh, well, I, you know, I guess that's kind of cheating. I, I can't say that because if you're defensive, then you're not taking ownership, which goes back to my number one. So I'm going to, I'm going to think of another one really quick. And as I do, uh, do you have a number two? So I could yeah. buy I myself some time. The one thing I will say is that defensiveness goes with not, feeling emotionally safe in a relationship. So there's that oh, um, right. defensiveness right. leads the other person to not feel emotionally safe. That's I guess how I should have said it. Um, okay. So if I had to pick a second one, I would say, um, by the way, I, I, I mean, I could think of three really fast, but I want to think of things that I haven't said before. And that's, what's hard, you know, like creating that's a safe impossible. space. You can- You're never going to be able to think of three. You haven't said before you talk all the time about this stuff. Okay, so underestimating your partner, I think, would be my <laughs> my number two. Would be um, someone who doesn't believe in you, who doesn't, who under underestimates what you can and cannot do. Um, go ahead, number two. Are you sticking with that as your answer? No, that was a little retaliation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, a little defensiveness. Um, right. So, if I had to pick a second one, it would be not taking care of yourself. And when I Ooh. say that, I mean physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, all the things. Um, and no one's expecting you to be like some, you know, Ken doll ripped, enlightened, tree hugging, whatever, but like tree uh, hugging. Yeah. It's funny that I, that just came out because that's actually a direct quote from an ex of mine. <laughs> that tree hugging means that. you're taking care of yourself. No, because so many of the arguments when things started getting bad between him and I, so many of the arguments were around me having this desire to have a partner who was kind of growing and seeking and oh, like and I so was. like, yeah, and he's so a, he eats granola. He was like, I'm never going to be a fucking tree hugger. That was usually the response I got. So, and I was like, that's not what I'm asking you to do. But um, yeah, so it just came out and I just think it's funny because obviously that's still there <laughs> from before, but you know, you and I have talked about this, right? This idea of taking care of yourself physically, for example, also something that I, I was on the receiving end of struggling with in the relationships in my past, not taking yourself 
care of yourself physically means that you also do not, I don't want to say in total, you do not love yourself, but there is a lack of self-love. There is a lack of self-compassion. There is a lack of um, a desire to grow and expand um, and seek and do the things that I think is actually very important for relationships to thrive. Um, and so if you are not actively taking care of yourself in all of the ways, and again, no one's saying you got to like run two hours a day, um, but just being conscious of it. To me, I think that that's a major relationship killer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I don't think it's attractive when people stop taking care of themselves. A, a lot of people, when they're single, they're great at it. And, you know, I, I think what motivates them is that they want to be the best version of themselves when they meet someone, right? But then they get into a relationship and suddenly the wheels fall off and, you know, they let themselves go. There's a lot of self-care or, you know, maybe just like life happens. A good example of this is having children. And I get it. I mean, you, you, ha you have a child and it can't really be about you. And so, um, there are going to be times in your life, like when you have children, where mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to take care of yourself, and that's okay. Right. Um, but it's 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 coming back, right? It's right. Um, the right. intention and and the desire to do what you can um, to make that a priority. Right. You're never going to be at a hundred a hundred percent of the time, obviously, right? And there has to be some compassion, I think, from both parties when both people are going through their kind of ebb and flow, which is normal. Right. Um, but I do think that, like you said, it, it shouldn't be a forever thing. Um, and again, this isn't just physical, right. This is taking care of yourself emotionally and mentally and spiritually as well. Um, so, you know, yeah. If, yeah. if Vanessa didn't buy the six pairs of sexy, expensive underwear, um, she <laughs> would all, not how be... do you even know that they're sexy and expensive? You don't even uh, know what I bought. Maybe I bought, you know, some, I don't know, not sexy and expensive underwear. <laughs> Keep the receipts, please. Um, if she did not do that, she wouldn't be taking care of herself. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to be reminded of that with a freaking mark on my tailbone. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to say going for the ride in, in um, not being, um, I guess, what's the word? Debbie the Downer. So I used to do this. I used to hijack spaces i used to um and i think i got some of this from my mom uh disqualify the positive so the joke that i always say um is if my mom won the lottery because of her mindset because of her upbringing uh if my mom won 200 million dollars the first thing she would say is you know fuck that well she probably wouldn't say fuck but she would say you know oh i gotta pay you know 100 million in taxes or 80 million in taxes or whatever it is, instead of first uh, qualifying that she just won $200 million, you know, so she's very quick to see the negative. Um, she's very quick to worry to stress. And I think part of that is from just growing up in survival mode. I mean, you're mm -hmm. trained to detect um, any kind of uh, danger or any kind of threat and so whether that is you know financial or physical or whatever um she spots that very fast and she's also very logical and so all that comes out and what and what she does she's not aware of is um she can by being that way she can hijack um other people's happy or you know spaces and so 
I think if a relationship killer can be, if you're always focusing on the negative, you know, if you're not qualifying the positive, if you're not, uh, you know, so something good happens and you're not celebrating it, you're not, you know, all, so if you're very quick to just, um, whether it's an idea or if your partner got a job or whatever, you know, always seeing the bad and shit and, and tearing things down instead of, um, seeing the good and feeding the positive. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, I, I think, you know, you could also say that in, um, in the idea of like negative, um, I don't know if it's like negative mood, but that idea, like you've talked about like hijacking spaces when like you get into a headspace where like, like you pout or like you get that kind of like cloud over your head and not just you. I mean, I, this happens a lot. I think with people where if they're in a, a funk, yeah, they kind of take everybody down with them. Yeah, um, sure. And I think it's really important for all of us to be aware of that and not, yeah, not take people down with us. We just yeah. kind of say like, Hey, I need some space. Like I'm going to, you know, I apologize. This isn't about you. This is about me. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're in a relationship where you are scared to tell someone any kind of news because you think they're going to flip it or, um, you know, make you feel bad or, you know, see only the bad. If that's, happening in your relationship, then how are you doing life with this person? Because yeah. you're not sharing, you know? And so, um, I find that in a lot of relationships. And so that's, that's a, definitely a relationship killer. Yeah. I think that's, that was part of what started happening. I think in mine too. I mean, among other things, my last relationship. Yeah. Definitely got to that place. Yeah. All right. What's your number three? Uh, resentment. Oh, I was going to say that. Fuck. Ooh, All right. Took it. Resentment. Resentment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the thing about resentment is that it is in some way tied back to, emo well, I guess I could say all of the, everything is tied back to emotional safety really in my book, but resentment in some way is tied back to emotional safety. Because if you're in a relationship where you don't feel safe, you're probably not going to communicate the little things that then build up and turn into resentment. But, and I'm usually an and person, but I'm going to say, but here, uh, like I usually say in my codependency classes, how that other person responds to you attempting to show up authentically is information for you about that person's capacity. And if they continue to show up in a way that does not feel emotionally safe and you do not feel like you can work on, you know, getting your needs met, telling them when things bother you, whatever the thing is, because those are the things when you don't speak up about that, that's when resentment builds. And if you really truly feel like you quote unquote can't, say that stuff because of a lack of emotional safety and you've been given that information multiple times and you just keep doing the same thing with that information, then we've got to like turn the mirror on ourselves. Yeah. So that's like the way I think as a codependent, that's how I have to like own my part in resentment, right? Because there is a, a level of emotional safety that is imperative um, to be able to speak up about that stuff. But how long have I been hitting my head into the same brick wall, expecting a different response, right? So there's a little bit of that too. I'm going to say, oh, I just, I just, oh, oh yeah, here it is. Comparison. Mm. Yeah. So if you're comparing this relationship to any relationship, if you're comparing your partner to previous partners, if you're comparing, um, you know, uh, 
this relationship to uh, someone else's relationship. If you're seeing things on social media or comparing your love with the friends, you know, Disney movies. Oh, that's right. Society. Comparing with uh, yeah. blueprints. So any kind of comparison, I think, is dangerous. Um, and it doesn't leave room for you being grateful for what you have. Instead, when you're comparing, because we don't compare you know, our lives or anything to people who have less or worse, right? We compare always to um, things that we believe are, um, are more or better. And so the, just the act of comparison is going to make you feel like uh, you have less than. And so when it comes to relationships and your partner, if you're comparing to, um, you know, ideas or other uh, posters, if you will, um, you're always going to think that that you're always going to question your relationship. You're going to think that, oh, well, I wonder if I could have better or or different, or I wonder if, you know, uh, you're going to start start punching holes in it instead of feeding the good and instead of building on it. Um, comparison, I think, actually kind of like kicks the legs out from under the table. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say like to not be realistic or honest about things. It's like, I mean, let's be real. Like I think any of us, well, let me qualify by saying, I think this actually is kind of where you're going with this, which is like any of us can probably look at the person that we've chosen to be with and compare and say, you know, you, you said, could I have better? Could I get better? Like in these specific areas, I'm sure all of us could be like, yeah, sure. I could find somebody who's, I don't know, a better cook, or I could find somebody who's whatever insert thing here. But the point is, is that you have chosen this person for better, for worse, all their flaws, whatever. And so focusing on the yes, I could find somebody better in this specific area. Um, to your point, I think kicks the legs out. Yeah. And also that kind of leads me to uh, this idea of taking in the whole person instead of the mm -hmm. parts, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, so that to me is um, not comparison, it's dissection. It's uh, yeah, like nitpicking. Yeah. It's like, you know, oh, you know, I love everything about this person, but I wish yeah. they had this like my ex or like my right. friend or like this person, I wish I could take, you know, and so when you start doing that, you start tearing people apart. So uh, taking in the whole person and, you know, one of the ways I do it is to try to capture the spirit of who someone is. You know, I think mm -hmm. that is really helpful to me. Um, a lot of people that, you know, I, that I struggle with or that trigger, trigger me or they're even, you know, people I don't like, if I could, kind of get a sense of the spirit of who they are. And if that is, if that is good, then I can oversee so much, you know? Yeah. And also you're not going to like everything about your partner. No, of course not. Right. And I think yeah. that's also just, that's real. But if you're looking at them as a total package, like you're saying, then you're able to focus on the positive and, and take those, the negative, well, negative, I'll put that in air quotes with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, by the way, these are things that are not easy, right? Uh, mm -hmm. These relationship killers aren't like, they're not easy to do. You know, we all compare, we all um, have resentment. We all, you know, what, what else was there? Oh, we're all defensive at times. Mm -hmm. We're always, um, sometimes we're not providing emotional safety. So the six work. I mean, this takes effort and sometimes it's like swimming up river. Uh, and also no one teaches us these things. No. So they're hard to do. We forget. Um, th th these aren't our natural defaults, right? Our natural defaults are reactions and holding up shields and being defensive Survival. and all that stuff, right? Pushing yeah. people away, picking people apart, 
judgment. That's normal. It's hard to be like, okay, I'm going to try to really see the spirit of who this person is, mm-hmm. you know? So, well, I think it's important for us to remember as we're thinking about this stuff. And as you and I were talking about it, these like relationship killers, there's no such thing as perfection. Really all of these kind of ladder up to you have to be, and you need your partner to be somebody who is committed to working on themselves, committed to trying to grow. And um, like you said, own, you know, own their shit and all this stuff. Like if you don't have a partner who is committed to trying, I mean, that's really the most important thing because you're never going to get it right all the time. Yeah. And that commitment ebbs and flows, meaning when we work on ourselves, we're not consistently, you know, um, seeing a therapist every week and constantly. No, but I disagree. I don't think the, I don't think the commitment to trying should ebb and flow. I think you- Oh, the progress, the progress should. Right, right. Like, I think there should always be a commitment to trying and trying doesn't mean like, I'm going to be, you know, like you said, in therapy every week and I'm going to be doing all this growth, yada, yada. It's like, no, I'm, but I am committed to constantly trying. Like, I do believe once you get lazy, then that's when the stuff starts to slip. And that actually does, that's like a lack of emotional safety to me. I said that because I haven't seen a therapist in a very long time. And so it was me being defensive. Mm, well, you did just see a therapist. So yes. and I, it made me very happy. Guys, uh, if you spot this either in you or your partner, it doesn't mean that your relationship is doomed. And so, mm-hmm. yes, we see relationship killers, but uh, we are being a little dramatic. There are things, there are things to look at. Um, they may be flags. They may be uh, points of uh, entering into uh, some exploration. Yeah, conversation starters for sure. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Be well. Hey, before you go, if you want to engage with Vanessa or I live, we both teach in the TAT Lab. The TAT Lab is live virtual wellness classes, all using Zoom. These are not video courses. These are live groups and classes. A team of experts with um, lots of experience and also their own stories, teaching everything from healing trauma to uh, Vanessa teaches codependency. We have attachment styles, relationship classes. I do um, something called Ask Angry, and that is basically a giant check-in. We've got book clubs. We've got meditations. Come check us out at TAT-Lab. That's TAT-Lab.com and uh, get a week for free and come say hi to uh, me and Vanessa. Listen, if you are great at helping other people and you have a passion for that and you want to find personal freedom and level up the skills you already have, It's time to become a life coach. Journey coaching. When I became a coach, there was nothing like this out there. And so I developed this coaching training program alongside Noel Cordo. Journey coaching. That's J-R-N-I. And it is amazing. It's 100% live. It's everything that I wish I had when I was starting out. Meaningful, evidence-based education, real people, real community, lifetime support, and business development. ICF certified. Just go to theangrytherapist.com, my website, and click on Become a Coach and explore the Journey Coaching Intensive. See you in class.